Welcome to the Ink Feather Podcast. We bring you fun new glimpses into the world of fantasy and science fiction publishing. Here you'll find interviews with the authors you love, insight from industry professionals, book reviews both succinct and extensive, and more. I'm your host and the founder of Ink Feather Book Reviews, Lauren Zurchin. Episode 7 is part of our throwback interviews where we revisit interviews from years past. This was recorded at San Diego Comic-Con 2012 with Mike McCauley for Litherist.com and features authors Christopher Paulini and Rachel Hartman talking about Hartman's then-newly released book, Serafina. We're throwing back to this interview to celebrate the release of Hartman's newest book set in the same world, Tess of the Road, which is out in bookstores February 27, 2018. Stay tuned at the end of the podcast for your chance to win a copy. We are here with Rachel Hartman and Christopher Pellini, and I'm Mike McCauley from Lithris and Shirtpole. Hi guys, it's Lauren Zurchin, the managing editor at Lithris.com. And this is Christopher Pellini, uh, we're here at Comic-Con San Diego, which is lots of fun. And my name is Rachel Hartman, and I've just written a book called Serafina, and I am really feeling privileged and humbled to be here with you guys. And it's a really awesome book. It is a really awesome book. Christopher blurbed it. We've all read it. Uh, I would highly recommend it. It just came out on Tuesday, Tuesday, July 10th. Uh, you should pick it up as soon as possible. Now, Rachel, this is your first novel, right? It is my first novel, yes. I used to do a comic book, however, which is set in the same world. Now, is it the first novel you've actually written or the first one published? Or um, well, ha! I started writing novels when I was 11 and they were not worth publishing, so uh, <laughs> I think I had to get a few bad ones out of the way. Mm. And have you always been interested in dragons? Yes, I have, in fact, ever since I was a kid. Um, I think my first introduction to dragons was the Harper Hall trilogy by... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Dra yeah, yeah. Uh, was it? Yeah, what were those? Anne McCaffrey. Anne McCaffrey. Anne McCaffrey. Yeah. What, what was that? Dragon Drums, Dragon Singer... Dragon, dragon Song, Dragon Singer, Dragon Drums. Dragon yeah. Drums. For me, Dragon Singer. Mm -hmm. That was the one mm -hmm. that got me. That mm -hmm. was my favorite one. Yeah. No, those were, those were beautiful books, yeah. and I devoured them, and I read them out loud to my sisters, who then, you know, threw things at me. They didn't want to hear it, but I... I Did you ever read the Pit Dragon trilogy by Jane Yolen? No, I haven't, actually. Those, those are actually some of my favorite <laughs> dragon books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they're YA, but um, as with everything Jane Yolen writes, the prose is beautiful and um, different kind of dragons, actually. All right, all right. Uh, and yeah. surprisingly bloody and intense for a YA book, <laughs> which, as, you know, a 14-year-old boy, I appreciate. Right, right. <laughs> Your YA novels are pretty bloody and intense. Well, I don't think of them as YA. I just write the best novels I can. <laughs> So you mentioned that you started with a comic in this universe. I did. I did. So what made you want to start with comics rather than books? Well, in college I did a, uh, a comic strip for the school paper and I enjoyed it so much I decided I didn't want to go to grad school. I'd rather live in my grandma's attic and draw comics. So that's sort of how that got started. And it was fun. I had a great time. And I think, you know, all the world building that happened then, really, the book has benefited from that. Right. Um, just for those who are not familiar with your story, tell them a little bit about the dragons in your world and what they can do, the kind All of right. awesome thing they All do. Right. Well, the dragons in my world can take human form, and uh, this is very disconcerting for them. They, um, you know, it, because primarily because um, there's so many differences between being human and being a dragon. Like, for example, with dragons, you have scaly skin, whereas human skin is, is, is sensitive. Um, and the other senses are going to be different, and emotions are going to be different, because in their natural shape, 
they don't experience emotions, at least not in the same way that we do, um, because they wouldn't need them as dragons. And so this presents a lot of challenges for them and a lot of challenges for the humans that they live amongst. Um, and it, the book is in large part about the attempts of these two races to get along. Have you ever read, I can't remember the title of it properly, um, was it Anne McCaffrey Mercedes Lackey um, book that they wrote together? I think it was, it was called Elven Blood or... No, I, I actually, I don't think I've read any of their crossovers. Uh, it was, it yeah. was about um, basically dragons and who could also shapeshift, I believe, but we're trying to, you know, there was obviously conflict with humans, but right. a very different right. approach to that kind of subject material. Right, so. right. Well, I should look at that. Yeah, I mean, it's an old idea, dragons being able to shapeshift into human form. I think it happens in Chinese mythology mm. um, and in some other mythologies around the world. But um, actually, the reason I came up with it was during my comic book days, I had had always an idea that there were going to be dragons in this world and dragons in the story. Once I got to drawing it, I found really I, them very tedious to draw and very difficult. And so I said, okay, this is not going to work for me. What can I do? And so they occurred to me, well, I'll make them shapeshift and then um, it'll be easier to draw. And so it was actually just laziness in the very first uh, conception. Um, but it opened up all these different ideas uh, once I'd done it. And I'm glad it happened. It was a lucky, lucky well, accident. When you were reading other dragon book, books with mm -hmm. dragons growing up and you know, when you're an adult as well, did you ever have the feeling like you liked some of the things they were doing, but not some of the other things, and almost like you had a platonic ideal in your mind of what you thought dragons ought to be, and that you felt like no one else had quite gotten that yet? Well, I was really interested in the, the sort of contradictions that you get with dragons. That on the one hand, you have the, the bloodthirsty monsters who are the biggest, scariest things there are. On the other hand, in, in various myth traditions, they're very wise. And so I, I think of dragons as being kind of um, epitomizing this, this contradiction in our own nature, uh, that on the one hand we can be monsters and on the other hand we can be the wisest of the wise. And so um, that's, that's something I like to explore. Um, I don't know that I thought of other people doing it wrong, I just thought, hey, 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 here's my thing too, mm. you know, can I add this also? Well, I just asked because I, yeah. I know in some ways, as much as I appreciate other dragons, for me the dragons I write are the way dragons are supposed to be. Mm. And mm. I can't help it, it's just the way <laughs> just the way I think of them. Well, they're your dragons, exactly. right? They're Paolini right. dragons. Well, I mean, you maybe make them, we all have our own dragons, you, I don't know. You make them exactly the way you want to make them. Right, right, right. I mean, these my dragons, I think, reflect a lot of my own preoccupations. Mm -hmm. um, one of my big interests, in fact, is in neuroscience, and so for me, this is, I mean, it's a strange angle maybe to take it in, but dragons shape-shifting were an opportunity to explore the, the weirdness of our brains, that uh, if you were an alien in a human brain, you know, what, what the experience of, of being human would be like, and so um, that is part of the origin of it, too. Well, and I thought you touched on that very nicely in the book as well. Um, it's also obvious that you really love music as well. Yes. Do you play any <laughs> instruments or? Oh, well, I grew up playing cello and uh, singing with my sisters. And um, it, it, real life got in the way for a long time in my adulthood, but I'm getting back into it now. I've joined a choir and, and having a grand old time singing. So, uh, but music, yeah. I, I grew up in a really musical household. It was always just part of the fabric of life. Uh, it seems to me, um, ha the more I learn about authors uh, whose prose styles that I really admire, and I admire yours, 
it seems to me that some sort of musical experience seems to help with the prose. It seems like it helps you hear the music and language. Um, I think there's something to that. Yeah. There's another book coming yeah. out called Peculiar that I just learned as well. Mm -hmm. Beautiful prose style, and it turns out that uh, he's in music school at the moment. One of the things that interests me about words is the, the rhythm of it, yeah, you know, and uh, kind of the poetic feel of it. In fact, the book contains a few songs, lyrics that I've written, um, which I just, I love doing that. And I thought to myself when I first included, well, this is really self-indulgent, they're going to make me take these out, but they didn't, so uh, <laughs> I guess they're okay. So how long did it take you to actually write the book once you started? Well, that's an interesting story in itself. I first started this book when I was pregnant with my son, who had just turned nine, uh, so it's actually been a really long road. Um, babies take a lot of time, it turns out. Uh, and so I would write, you know, in 10 minute stretches here and there when he was napping. Um, and so the, the very first draft of it took quite a long time. Uh, he was probably three or four by the time that was done. Uh, then I set it out and was told almost universally by agents, this is beautiful. Someday when you learn what a plot is, you're going to be so good. And so I had to go back and rewrite it with a plot. Who knew? Um, and then there have been, you know, some mishaps and other goings on and it just it's taken a long time. So I don't really know how long it takes to write a single book. You know, I mean, I just, I wrote the sequel just now, which was, that was fairly quick. I guess that was about six months. Wow. So, um, well, what, do you know what the word count is? Or? On the sequel? Yeah, I don't remember. Sorry. I'm bad about number remembering. Um, no problem. <laughs> Similar size to Sarah? It's a little bit shorter, um, but my editor has already Literally told me he's... shorter? I'm incredibly impressed because, because almost every single fantasy author, as no doubt you've noticed, tends mm. to expand in size with each sequel. Well, I was about to say my, my editor is... is um, he, he has withheld the comments until after Comic-Con. He said, go enjoy yourself. So I'm, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to know what this is going to be like. But one of the things he said to me in advance of this is, Let's, we need to expand it in a few areas. So it'll, I think it'll end up being about the same length. Um, now, I had a question. We were talking earlier uh, about this conversation, and we made an interesting observation. Both of you write your main characters in the gender that you are, but you both have extremely strong secondary characters in the opposite sex. And, you know, was that was it hard to get into the heads of those characters? Because I found, particularly Rachel, that um, the love interest and uh, both Serafina's dad and her uncle, mm -hmm. they, they captivated me. And I, I wanted more. I wanted in their heads. Mm -hmm. You know, we were in her, you know, we got her, but I wanted more of them. And how was that to write those for you? And, you know, was it hard to balance that with her and her internal struggles? Well, that's an interesting question. I, I, I love all my characters very, very dearly. And I feel like every single one of them is in some degree, you know, me, that I can, I almost feel like I'm an actor and that I can play these roles and that every, all the potentials that are inside myself, you know, I am able to put into different characters. Um, I think it would be a bit more challenging to write uh, a male character as the main one whose head I'm in all the time, but I would, it's a challenge I really would like to try, actually. And after the sequel, I'm hoping I can move along and, and uh, do something. You remember the character Abdo? Um, I'm hoping to do a book in my, in my dream world uh, you know, with him as the main character, so we'll see uh, how that works. Well, I mean, for me, I think it's... I, I think where authors tend to really get into trouble is when they start thinking about the other gender as the other, you know, and, and, and it's some strange alien species, and you, you get all these, I mean, yeah, sure, there are certain differences between men and women, and we're, we're all aware of that, but 
when you start thinking of them as you know strange alien species and relying on stereotypes and other things, I think that's where you really get into trouble. And I've noticed that the times when I've gotten into trouble writing my female characters, it is always when I'm essentially viewing them through the preconceptions of my male characters and allowing mm -hmm. that to take over. And it's like then it. Then they start behaving. Then the female characters start behaving like stereotypes. Mm, it was uh, really funny because what you just said when when she was talking about the dragon mind being alien, that was actually the question that popped in my head about this opposite sex thing because of the mm -hmm. unnaturalness mm -hmm. it feels sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think for you to wonder what they're thinking, it's different. Why people are wired differently? So mm -hmm. I just found that really interesting. I, you know, honestly, I think the differences between certain individuals, even of the same gender, are sometimes bigger than the differences between the genders. You know, there are men who are so different from how I am. Mm. It's a bigger difference between the difference between me and my sister, for example. Yeah, yeah. You're right. We were also talking about um, the the way you kept the tension moving in the story with uh, the races, how it was a, mm. a racial. Um, mm -hmm. That was almost the main drive between that. Uh, were you hesitant to kind of go that way? Because even though dragons aren't necessarily something we see every day, right, right, uh, it's still you know a, a, a prejudice. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't think I went into it with a, an idea that okay, I'm going to write a book about prejudice. I mean, it sort of ended up that way. Um, one of my favorite authors is Terry Pratchett, yes. and he does a lot of racial uh, things with you know the dwarves and the different uh, the trolls and all these people trying to live together in the city of Offmorecourt and so I think maybe some of that kind of unconsciously seeped into the idea that you can play with that you know it was like permission I guess to, to uh, treat it that way um, and uh, I mean there are going to be conflicts between between these groups and 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 not just dragons and humans. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of different groups of humans in the book as well who have preconceived ideas about each other. And I guess that's just a theme that kind of echoes out. Um, it starts with Seraphina herself wondering where she fits in, and it sort of echoes out into the into the wider world. And it would be unrealistic to not have some sort of conflict, well, given how much conflict humans have amongst ourselves, right? Right. 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 I'm just imagining if dwarves or elves actually existed, we'd probably be at <laughs> war with them all the time. Well, right. Right. Unfortunately. <laughs> so when is the second novel coming out? Do you have any idea? Um, well, we're aiming for next summer. It might be next fall. A lot depends on, you know, how long my editor and I have to you know, duke it out on top of the mountain. Um, we have a great time with each other, um, but there's a lot of back and forth, you know, that we're trying to get it just right. We both have perfectionistic tendencies, um, but I'm hoping we're aiming for next summer, so we'll keep our fingers crossed and stay optimistic for that. No, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Me too. Yeah, well, thank you. So do you find now, now I, I forget from um, if I'd heard this or not, but is the second book the end of this story, of this particular cycle, or is there a third one planned? Or Well, that's what I'm hoping is that um, the second book will sort of end Serafina's larger arc, and then I can go on and write other stories set in the same world. Uh, that's my, my dream, I guess, because um, this world has been with me a really long time, and I just feel like it has so much potential, um, and there's so many stories still to tell in it. Now, do you have any 
particular tricks uh, in sort of keeping track of all the names, the characters, the places? You just keep lots of lists? Uh, yeah, lots of lists. <laughs> lots of lists. But a lot of them, particularly with the characters, I feel like I know everybody. I mean, I've been working on this a long time, and I feel like sort of like a, a movie director who has had the privilege of working with the same actors for a very long time, and that we're all buddies and, and you know, we have great cast parties in my head. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that... that um, I know what they can do and who they are, and right. everybody's got a backstory. Although it gets so. tricky when they change who they are, doesn't it? Sometimes it happens. Sometimes I have a few characters that I think of as kind of utility infielders, as it were. You know, um, uh, Joseph Earl of Opsig was one of those. He, in the very first draft, was like a bad boyfriend who steals her music, and then there was another draft where he was just another musician, and then, you know, he's always happy to, you know, take whatever role I'll give him. <laughs> I have to kind of be careful because he's sort of a ham and he'll he'll take over the scene he's in and you have to use him sparingly. <laughs> I can't end this chat without discussing the romance themes. <laughs> I, it was, I thought it was done brilliantly because uh, so much YA these days is romance centric and mm -hmm. it's, and it's mm -hmm. you know, bombards your brain with you know everything. You delivered it very smoothly and uh, gave me the ending I wanted without it overpowering me. Uh, you. Was that uh, was that one of the first themes when you were working on the book? Their, no. their relationship and how, how did that develop? It was something that I had been intending to do like in a, in a later book, right? I wasn't going to have it in the first book at all. Uh, and my editor said, "Look, you've got little hints of this, and they're so delightful. Can we please bring it?" forward a bit. Uh, so actually there's a lot more romance in it than originally. <laughs> um, but honestly, the, the pair of them, that was something that really, once I started working from that angle, that really just fell into place because they have so many things in common, um, you know, just in terms of their interests, but also in terms of the way they feel about themselves and their place in the world. You know, that, that uh, there's a degree to which even though Kiggs doesn't understand what, or doesn't know what she is, he understands what she is. He gets and her because so, of his own thing. Right. So, and right. I love that. that right. That's what made it for me. Right. Um, um, and I also, I wanted a romance that took it sort of from an intellectual angle, because that for me is the, is what makes a compelling romance, you know? You know the logic you have, behind the love? Well, or? you know, that you, that you, um, that people connect by talking about common intellectual interests, you know, rather than, oh, they're so hot and everyone's drawn to each other instantly. That's not how it ever worked for me. I was always drawn to people who I liked conversing with, you know, and people who you could, could argue with. And so I wanted to put that in as well. That was important to me. It was just interesting, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to sit down with both of you is the parallels in, in, in those the way those themes are reflected. You know, romance is important to your story, but it's not the theme of your stories. And, and same with that. No. It's just, um, but it's there and it's present and it's important in its own right. You know, just mm -hmm. the way, um, you know, cause it's it's a human emotion. It's it's mm -hmm. part of what makes up who we are. Mm -hmm. So, um, we were just uh, wondering if there are any other uh, last minute comments you wanted to say, either of you, about, um, you know, what you're reading right now or, or kind of where you're at with, you know, your fantasy world. Oh. No, you're not. Well, <laughs> I was going to ask, I, can I ask you a question, Christina, yeah, is that sure. all right? Is that now that you have finished such a huge, momentous, you know, series, 
what do you what's next for you is it it must be like empty nest you know well, I, I can't imagine I'm actually kind of looking forward to sort of going home and resting because I've okay. been touring okay um, basically since November last mm -hmm. year so uh, that's that's a big part of it just you know sort of freeing up some time to go back and start writing but uh, over the past 10 years or so I've plotted out 20 to 30 completely new novels okay so I have no shortage of ideas it's just time um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to write science fiction next. Oh, cool. Uh, long term, though, I'm going to go back and, to Aragon's world and write a fifth book eventually. Because as you said, you know, you spend that much time with the characters in the world and to just sort of say goodbye to it forever, right. it's, it's not worth it, you know? You, you put that much of yourself into something and right. I think it, you, you, can't, you can't leave it behind forever. Um, I definitely sympathize with that. <laughs> that said, I think it's also important that a story have a proper ending, which I had with my series. So any future stories mm -hmm. will be mm -hmm. separate things, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the Inheritance Cycle stands on its own as a sort of cohesive entity. I, in the same way, I'm sure that Seraphine and the sequel will stand on their own, even though you'll write future books in the world. So that's the idea, at least. Okay, great. But <laughs> as far as interesting books reading, Geez, I don't know. Uh, I mentioned The Peculiar, which I highly enjoyed. I recommend that to people uh, by Stefan Bachman. Uh, I just read The Wind-Up Girl mm -hmm. by, I cannot say his name. Paolo Bacigalupi. Bacigalupi, yes. Bacigalupi. I met him yesterday. Bacigalupi, that's what he Kiss told me. Kiss That's what it means. What about the book you just uh, uh, did the blurb for, for Grom in? Oh, well, I wrote um, an appreciation of the artist Grom in a... In a sort of hardcover tribute book that was produced for the Spectrum Convention in Kansas City this past year, this year actually. Um, he, Braham inspired the name of one of my characters, of course, and he's just a really good artist. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, staying busy. Staying busy. Well, thank right. you guys very much. Thank and good you. luck. <laughs> thank you. And hopefully yes. much success with Serafina. Yeah, this was a, this was a pleasure, Rachel. Yeah. I hope we talk again soon. Okay. Thanks, guys. To celebrate the release of Tess of the Road, I'm giving away my advanced copy. To enter for a chance to win, check out the blog post related to this episode on inkfeatherbookreviews.com. I'll include the link with this podcast. The contest is open until midnight Eastern Standard Time on March 7th and is international.